one and we are whoops we are i guess we're recording and we are recording with mr chris gillespie and everybody knows dr peter mccullough the og the man who got me permanently banned from youtube which i now <laughs> it is now it, he is the champion the many people had a part in it Dr. McCullough was the final stake in the cough, the nail in the coffin. He was the golden stake or the silver stake, whatever it's called. I'm delusional. He's the one that got me banned. You guys might know him as the most published uh, credit renal physician in world history or as Joe Rogan's second largest or first largest guest. I know him as the man that got me permanently banned from YouTube. And that is why I love him. Dr. McCullough, not that everybody doesn't know you, but please introduce yourself and then we'll have Mr. Gillespie take it away. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for having me back on the program. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough, practicing internist, cardiologist, trained in epidemiology, Dallas, Texas, taking care of patients with COVID-19, vaccine injuries, frequent news commentator just on the news last night with Laura Ingram. Had a great experience with Chris Gillespie, and it's, it's really a pleasure to have me join you in welcoming Chris to the other side of the microphone now for uh, your podcast, Tommy. I think the audience is in for a real treat. Absolutely. Mr. Gillespie, please introduce yourself. Well, as, as stated, I'm Chris Gillespie, and uh, I'm a self-proclaimed Dr. Peter McCullough stalker. So um, <laughs> uh, we, um, I was in sports medicine. I was the head athletic trainer and director of sports medicine uh, at Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama for many years. I uh, taught in the classroom as well, directed a sports medicine education program. Uh, in addition to those things, and was also an administrator at the collegiate athletics level. When I retired there in 2013, I went on and did some work with the University of Georgia uh, for uh, before I got um, stenosis kind of rendered me um, to the point I couldn't work 100 hours a week any longer. And uh, I hung it up and I'm doing my best to live at the beach here. And as I said the other day, I'm trying to be Tommy Bahama the best I can. Um, <laughs> my, um, my, the big thing with what we're talking about today was how this all came about. Um, several months ago, I was, had to make a decision and it was at that time where everybody really didn't know about the COVID vaccines, what we were going to do. Um, and my wife's work, um, they wanted her to get the vaccine they didn't mandate it or anything like that, but I said, you know, I really don't feel real good about it. And then I found out I was actually allergic to polyethylene glycol, uh, which I did not know was in it at the time, uh, and um, started doing a little research and happened upon a video by Dr. Ryan Cole. And as I was looking at his slides, there was one slide that jumped out at me because some 30 years ago, uh, became somewhat of the leading authority on sickle cell trait in the black athlete in uh, collegiate athletics. And that slide looked almost identical to the slides that I used 30 years ago uh, in a sickle cell crisis event, uh, hypoxic, uh, hypoxia, uh, the blood vessels or red blood cells sickling, sludging their way through the bloodstream, log jamming, and it looked identical. So um, at least identical enough that it made me sit up and take note, what's going on here? 
And so I called Dr. McCullough's office, not knowing what was going on in, in his life. And his um, uh, receptionist gave me his email, and it turned out to be the wrong email. Uh, and so I kept after it and kept after it and finally found him on Instagram and sent him a message and told him who I was, that I'm honestly for real. Please, mess, you know, give me a shout. And he asked for my contact information and so forth. And um, then I found out he was going to speak four miles from my house just last week. And I showed up and, and listen, he didn't know I was in. The, I think I told him I was going to be there, but he didn't know me from Adam. Uh, and I listened and it validated everything that I thought. I thought there was some similarities to what I saw long ago of what the spike protein does and how it wreaks havoc in the body. And then I um, went up and introduced myself. Um, I was, he grabbed me and gave me a, gave me a hug. I said, you know, I, that's the, my type of guy, you know, because he, he realized we had the same type of passion for what we were doing. And, and the thing about it was I've been retired for almost eight years. And when I saw this slide, I started looking into every paper I could find. I read everything Dr. McCullough has written, pretty much. Um, I had watched every video I could watch. Um, and I looked at pros, cons. I looked at good, bad. I studied the whole deal. Um, and obviously, we decided we weren't getting vaccinated. And, but I, the big thing was, I said, I think I may know something nobody else knows. Now, that's a big statement. And I'm not sure it's really right, but that's the way I felt. And because I had done all that work earlier and they thought I was crazy because they told me sickle cell crisis, sickle cell trait was benign and it's not. Um, and we proved it. Uh, but, um, you know, we, I had studied everything. I had looked at everything. I had validated what I thought. And I showed up to Dr. Uh, McCullough's speaking engagement with Ryan. Ryan was there. Um, and I got to hear him talk and they just, it grabbed me by the throat. And when I left that day, I, um, I said, God is worse than I thought it was. And so I came home, sat down with my wife. I said, I'm going to Tallahassee to the second leg of their tour, which is only about an, uh, 90 minutes away from here. Um, and I drove over and showed up and I made sure I found the seat next to Dr. McCullough at the VIP event and we visited and I shared my heart with him. And, uh, one of the greatest compliments I ever received, he kind of leaned back in his chair and said, you may have to be the guy. And, um, uh, he doesn't know this is all I could do to hold back tears because it was that close to me. I called my wife when we got through. And I said, I just got recruited because they're going to ask me to speak tomorrow. So uh, the third day, we, I drove to Jacksonville. I didn't have had two changes of clothes with me, I thought. Uh, and I had accidentally, as God would have it, I had a bag that I had packed for some other event that I had left in the car that had three changes of clothes in it. And so um, got up in, um, in Tallahassee. My, the battery on my truck was dead. I had to call AAA. AAA um, shows up in five minutes. They told me they'd be an hour and a half. And I asked the guy how he got there in five minutes. 
He said, God told me to turn around. Um, and I told him what I was doing. And he said, well, you need a new battery. And let me see if I've got one. He said, I got one left. And he said, God bless you. That one's on me. And he put the battery in my truck. And uh, I took off for, um, for Jacksonville, spoke for 10 minutes, dictated the speech on my way to Jacksonville, and then transcribed it after I got to the green room um, and uh, was hoping they didn't, uh, it didn't feel like I was reading it because I'm used to being a keynote speaker or have 45 minutes and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I had 10 uh, and no slides. So um, I had to speak as Dr. McCullough said, I spoke from my heart and, uh, and then talked my way into the second day and went another day and went to Orlando and spoke there too. And so that's the, the abbreviated version of how this has all come about. And then since I've been home, my email and my phone has blown up. I've talked to a pediatrician and his wife this morning. Um, I sent the information, you know, he's trying to decide what he's going to do with his 18 year old uh, kids that are signing scholarships that are going to colleges and he's trying to get medical exemptions and he didn't know what to do. And he, he called me for advice. And um, I honestly had not thought about that. And so I got that. I sent Dr. McCullough a copy of it. And I also sent a couple of the other docs a copy of it and said, help. This guy needs some help. And we're going to probably get a bunch more calls like this. So there, the doors are wide open. Um, what we're doing in collegiate athletics, like I say, I'm removed. I, get, I retired my credentials several years ago. So I am retired but I still was considered the expert in sickle cell traits, still got calls, uh, but my calls ramped up. Um, a lot of, a lot of calls going, what would you do about this? Or what would, would you give this kid? And I didn't know the answers, So that's why I started digging. And uh, now I know at least some of the answers uh, and we're going to do our best to help. Um, I told my wife when I realized what we had, I described the situation as I sat in my chair at two o'clock in the morning. She came out and thought something was wrong with me. And I didn't know I was crying. She said, why, why are you crying? Big tears rolling down. Your I said, I didn't even know I was. And I said, God called me years ago and allowed me to help save a generation of young black athletes across this country and, and even around the world. They're, Everything the NCAA does now on sickle cell trade is what we wrote 20 years prior to them adopting it. And I said, I think he may be calling me to help save another generation, and I just don't know how. I don't know who to talk to, but I'm going to find out. And I think the guy we've got on here with us today is the guy that, you know, a lot of people have thrown Dr. McCullough under the bus. Well, I'm willing to be thrown under the bus if it saves some kids. So... Um, you know, and also know we're on the tar. You're over the target if they're trying to throw you under the bus, and you're getting phone calls, and they're trying to tell you 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 might not want to say anything about that. Um, but I've got a couple of calls tomorrow with major major institutions, directors of sports medicine, that are going to take my calls, and they know why. So. Um, we'll see what they have to say if we get pushed back or if they're really on our side and know it, 
and they are in a situation where they don't know what to do. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what happens there. Dr. McCullough. No, I can tell you, I think Chris is, uh, he's so humble. Chris is in the sports hall of fame for athletic trainers. He's uh, got an international reputation. He's relied upon uh, in his innovative work with sickle cell trait, which is a common uh, abnormality in hemoglobin synthesis in African-Americans was instrumental in basically making it safe for African-Americans in athletics. Now the same thing is coming up for the vaccine right ahead of Chris's uh, presentation, Tommy, they played a montage of all the athletes having cardiac arrests, uh, you know, yeah. on tape. And uh, Tommy, I'm sure you've probably seen that, right? Yeah, I've, I've seen the montages of players just dropping left and right. And Tommy, we, we um, I found Dr. McCullough said, hey, start grabbing reports, you know, on, on people or kids collapsing. And unfortunately, you know, the ones in college athletics right now are hard to get. Um, I, I don't know if – I have a theory. I think most of the people that are collapsing are aerobic in, in, in their activities. I, I think we're not seeing them in football as much because it's an anaerobic sport. Um, and if you're seeing them in – if we start seeing them in football and they're young black athletes – then I have a question of his sickle cell crisis. And can you imagine what the spike protein would do on a kid who was in sickle cell crisis? Because it would be almost a pseudo sickle cell crisis. Hmm. And so what we, um, what I, one of the articles I found, you know, and this is the one that's most published out there. Uh, is it Dr. McCullough? Um, I think maybe did an article that was like 769 athletes had collapsed. Uh, from March of last year until March of this year, uh, the average age was 23. Um, they had updated the data. There were 890 cardiac arrests, 579 deaths. Um, I think it was 15 players pulled out of the Miami Open tennis tournament uh, at the 1st of April, uh, and they were all vaccinated. They never really said that that's why, but the reality is we probably yeah. think that's why. Yeah. Uh, there's been a 500% increase in uh, European soccer players uh, dropping dead in one year, a 500% increase. And just to give you an idea, Mayo Clinic, if you just look what Mayo Clinic says, Mayo Clinic says you should have out of 50,000 athletes age 35 and below, you might have one cardiac arrest. So, and that's straight from Mayo. And they're not talking about this or whatever. That's just their stats. And, um, you know, but we've got myocarditis, pericarditis, the infl inflammatory response in the body that happens with a sickle cell kid or that happens for anything. I even said this, what happens if, if a kid has taken the vaccine and they have inflammation of any kind? Does it wake up the spike protein? What if some kid goes out to the beach and gets really sunburned? Does it wake up to spike protein? I don't know the answers to that. Dr. Okay. McCullough probably knows the answer to that. But, 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 but Chris, we now know the messenger RNA stays in the body for at least a couple months in a paper from Stanford and Cell by Hulkin. And that's as long as they looked. It may be longer. The spike protein is estimated to be in the body for more than a year. 
Uh, we have many papers showing the spike protein on top of any blood disorder is trouble, either blood clotting, other abnormalities there. Uh, uh, so you can imagine with not only um, sickle cell trait, but alpha thalassemia, beta thalassemia, I have patients with hemoglobin C disease. Uh, you can imagine there that the spike protein, which causes red cell deformation, it causes what's called Rouleau formation, uh, could be causing a whole range of abnormalities. And we don't have to look too far, Tommy. Look at the reports now. Herb Kirkstreet, my favorite college announcer. Herb gets COVID-19 in December of 2020. It's, you know, he's out there in social media. Hey, everybody got COVID. He has post-COVID syndrome. And then ill-advised in April of 2021, he takes the COVID-19 vaccines, two shots. It's too late. He's already had COVID, but he takes the vaccines anyway. Now, here we are a year later, blood clot and he can't go to the NFL draft. And we now have data uh, from a paper by Ron Cotty at all on my Twitter feed showing the blood clots can start after vaccination many months later. So with Herb, it's almost certainly he had his first exposure with spike protein with the illness. Then he had shot one, shot two. We don't know if he's had a booster, but he conceivably could have had three or four spike protein exposures. Now he's stuck with a blood clot. You know, and that's what I was saying. You know, I think there is Pandora's box because think of all the conditions that uh, in a 35-year career that I saw that were inflammatory. And the inflammatory response of the body is a, a God-given wonderful thing. But when you throw something into it to disrupt it in an adverse way, um, it can wreak havoc. And uh, that's why I said, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of being somewhat facetious, but, but it, if you create inflammation and the spike protein is there to fight off infection, inflammation, it's just simply a hypothetical. I'm just curious if it wakes it up. And there are so many conditions like that. Dr. McCullough mentioned all the blood disorders. I had a couple or three kids throughout my career that had a condition called factor five. It's a it's um, a bleeding disorder that they throw blood clots and, and, you know, can you imagine what that would have done to one of those kids? And do they ask them that when they give them the vaccine? Do they ask, you know, do they fill out a form that says, I have factor five, you know? I mean, you know, they just roll up a sleeve. But, you know, we, but Chris, we don't have to look too far again. There's examples, uh, world-class female golfer, Nellie Corda, has right. got a blood clot in her arm. Now, with athletes, they can have a narrowing of the space under the first rib. It's called thoracic outlet obstruction. It's common right. in baseball players, golfers, tennis players. So there's already a predisposition and then get the vaccine. I've had two cases in my office where get the vaccine. Women in the same arm, they get a blood clot. And it's been reported in the literature as well because of the super thrombogenic nature of the spike protein. And the thoracic outlet syndrome, you know, baseball pitchers, softball pitchers, tennis, you know, we saw that sort of thing. And, and of course, uh, the blood vessels are so close there, like you say, it's so tight um, in that area. And even, even in the axillary area uh, of under the arm, you know, it's so tight as well. So 
there, there are so many issues like that that we've dealt with through the years. Um, you know, even orthopedic type things, you know, I've dealt with a completely dislocated knee, mm. you know, and, and there's, there's blood flow and neurological flow. And so, well, I, you know, I have, just, to, I, I have to tell you the impairment of blood flow that, you know, the two major things we're thinking about, Tommy, is blood clots in athletes and then myocarditis or heart inflammation. But another blood clot example, Dallas Cowboy, great Dion Sanders. You know, he played offense and defense. Yeah. yeah. Dion, very promotional of vaccines uh -huh. uh, in 2020, says everybody should get a vaccine. He said he took the vaccine. Very critical of Aaron Rodgers said that Aaron Rodgers was selfish by not taking the vaccine. And, you know, Aaron had expressed concerns regarding vaccine safety, ended up getting COVID. And uh, Aaron took the McCullough protocol, got right through it. He went on Pat McAfee and talked about it, got natural immunity. Uh, but in fact, Deion Sanders takes the vaccine. Okay. Then he develops blood clots. And the blood clots that comes through a series of reports are in the superficial femoral arteries. These are major pipes in his legs, shoot down to the legs and needs toe amputations. I can tell you the only way you can get clots that big in the arterial system is with the vaccine and the spike protein. Uh, and no matter what condition existed, that is, uh, as um, Chris was mentioning, an injury, uh, a various inflammation, whatever, whatever injury exists, the spike protein makes the body much more likely and prone to clotting. I just had today in my practice, a woman who's got blood clots in both venous systems, both venous systems, not with the vaccine, but actually after the respiratory illness months later, and I've got to get her on some big time blood thinners. What I'm learning, Tommy and Chris, is these blood clots don't go away easily. Yeah, the other, the other concern that, you know, like I said, uh, you know, the popliteal artery and vein is what we've seen in like a dislocated knee or, or if you had somebody with a dislocated elbow and you compromise the blood flow uh, and you've, you've got a short window to take care of that orthopedically. So that's something that has run through my mind. And then um, I think the other thing, and I, I sent Dr. McCullough um, a message earlier today, just to think about, because I got to thinking about it, you know, you've heard about CTE and athletes, mm -hmm. for, uh, can, you know, for head injuries. And, and I have been a part of the head injury protocols and things for college football. I've uh, been, you know, at, um, uh, giving advice to, to people th through the years and, and just was there when the changes were coming down and what's it going to do there? Because we saw Ryan, Calls some of his slides on the inflammation of the brain and of the heart. So what if a kid has a concussion or what if he has an epidural or what if he has a subdural hematoma? Does it, does it increase those things exponentially? Does it, does it make it that much more deadly? You know, there's so many unknowns. There's just so many unknowns. And that's the reason that, I said, I've got to, I've got to at least find out some things here. The sickle cell trait thing, you know, somebody asked me when I mentioned this to them the other day, they said, well, what would that really have to do with anything? And I said, it wasn't that the sickle cell trait, it, that was my wake up call because it showed me that they were alike. It was hypoxic tissue, hypoxia followed by lactic acid buildup, followed by 
acute and uh, explosive rhabdomyolysis and the kidney failure, then followed by cardiac arrest. That's what happens in a sickle cell trait athlete. And my question was, well, is that, is that what happens in a young uh, lady or young man who's had, you know, has an adverse reaction to this shot? So is it because the, it's eerily similar? So I'm not, and then I said, well, what if a kid with sickle cell trait had this, the uh, injection, then has a problem, and then, it, like I say, a pseudo crisis? So I'm sitting there thinking, we, we've got now we've we've got the kids with sickle cell trait. And now do we have to treat the whole population that's vaccinated the same way? Hey, Chris, how common is sickle trait among athletes? Um, it's probably about. Six percent. You, you. It's according to which which um, uh, okay. journals you read. Probably about six percent. Uh, we would see. I would have anywhere from two to ten in any given year of our whole population of athletes. Um, you know, out of four hundred athletes. But but we found out something really interesting, and, and it's also come up when I've been looking at this the last few days. Our hypothesis was we found out it was all in football players. We had one baseball player. We never had a basketball player. Um, we had one sprinter, I believe, in track and field. And the hypothesis was kids selectively opt out as a sickle cell trait athlete when they're a young kid just because they can't do it. They can't run up and down the court with their buddies and play five on five. They, they get tired. You know, the guy that, that had crisis that we saved his life, that was, was our guinea pig, so to speak, that got us interested in what we were doing and where we were going with this. He came to me one day and just simply said, is that the reason I've never been able to do these things? And I said, yeah, I think so. And then we changed their conditioning protocol and his, his performance skyrocketed. Uh, and as a result of that, so so the, those kids were all anaerobic in nature. Now we see about two kids that are non-black, two um, percent, two percent of our non-black. Uh, they can be Mediterranean descent. Uh, they can be, um, you know, they could have a black father and a white mother, or so forth. And a matter of fact, I sat with a young man at, at my table the other night at the VIP event that his one of his uh, friends was a coach and had a white athlete that died of sickle cell trait. And they figured out somewhere along the way that he developed, you know, had the gene from down the line somewhere. So we tested everybody. And... Um, so it's about 2% of non-black athletes and then the about 6% of um, the African-American population probably has sickle cell trait. Um, I don't know exactly what percentage is for sickle cell anemia because they never made it to us, obviously. Somebody, that's the reason they called it benign. Another thing, and I, I'm gonna, I, I don't want to get the numbers wrong, so I'm not going to give the numbers out there, but what we also discovered was going back in time, most of the young black athletes that passed away playing, you know, from football, they were called heat illness. 
They weren't heat illness. They were sickle cell trait. They just were never tested. Um, and the other thing we had found out is, I think there was only one, it was none, and I think it's just one now. No football players in like multiple years, I'm talking like 10 or 15 years, died playing football. They die getting ready to play football, training to play football, or in a heroic type effort where they're pushing a car up a hill or a big tire, those things that they're made to do in order to make them tougher. It's a heroic type effort that brings about those types of things. So we learned a lot of things. And so we adjusted so many things. Their training program coaches pushed back real hard until their performance levels skyrocketed. Had a good athlete go to an All-American to be an All-American. Mr. Gillespie, you froze up. Well, Tommy, I think you're getting a, you know, a great uh, education. So am I about sickle trait and, and the great concern now about our athletes uh, taking these vaccines. Yeah. For everybody listening, uh, uh, he's back. Uh, uh, something happened. Wi-Fi. Quite all right. You're quite all right. Yeah, As you're saying, uh, I, was take mid, a, I was in a mid sentence. Yeah. Yeah. You um, said taking a good. You know, we, we had basically adapted their performance um, protocols or their conditioning protocols. And it was not, they didn't, the coaches didn't like it, but they got on board with it when they found out it was going to work. And I think that's when we got it adopted with NCAA and we, we got some pushback, but uh, it finally did get adopted. But with this, I think it's so much bigger because I'm a, you know, it's, it's easy to say we were wrong about this young black athlete having sickle cell trait that it was, benign and it's really not benign until it is benign until it's not you know it, it basically but it's easy to say we made a mistake on that it's easy for a coach to say hey you know we know more now and it's, it's a lot easier but on this coaches athletic directors all those people that have a vested interest financially they're going to have a hard time saying we were wrong about this. That's my biggest fear. And, you know, it's, it's going to take folks that don't mind getting their hands a little bit dirty and getting, um, I guess, ridiculed some to, to say, you know, here's what we know. Here's, here's the information. And now it's on you. So, Tommy, do, do, are there any estimates out there of what percent athletes by sport have taken the vaccines? Are you asking me? I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not aware. I'm not aware, Mr. Gillespie. I, I, you know, I really don't know. I was just looking at some things today because uh, this morning I got that call from um, it was the pediatrician's wife because he was in practice and she was they were at our VIP thing the other day. And they didn't come up afterwards, but she suggested that they call me today because he was wringing his hands. He didn't know what to do. And um, this, this institution, I looked at their, their, their exemption, and bottom line is they almost gave them no out. And um, so I've checked with several people under the radar 
uh, a lot of the university's uh, athletic programs are not mandating it, but boy, they're really suggesting, you know, you might want to get that vaccine, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but there are colleges and universities. I, I read about, I think it was uh, Boston College that, you know, had mandated it across the board. Um, there were others the same way. And if they mandated across the board for all students, it's going to be for athletes too. But athletes, they're going to treat differently if they don't mandate it across the board because a coach, and I'm not saying, you know, coaches are only as good as the information that they're given. Uh, and if they're given information that maybe, um, you know, you, you could lose five or six kids for one game and you, it might be that you're not going to be able to have enough people uh, on your starting 11 or, or whatever sport it is. Um, and are they going to, because they're going to put their foot down, they're making millions of dollars and they can get fired. And they're going to put their foot down and go, well, I want all my athletes uh, vaccinated. And they even celebrated it of saying we got 100% vaccination. But, but Chris, they may actually, that may make it worse. You know, uh, my alma mater, University of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, had the whole team get boosters right before the Georgia game. And Michigan got clobbered. Now, my Ohio State friends say that that had nothing to do with it, that we were going to get clobbered anyway. Uh, but I can tell you, there's nothing in the data suggesting that the vaccines makes these kids healthier. And there's a lot of information suggesting it's going to hurt their athletic performance. I asked that question because I had some confidential information, at least on the National uh, Baseball Leagues, that, um, uh, that it's only about 50%. And I know with uh, Aaron Rodgers, as an example, uh, you know, he never came out and said he didn't take the vax, but he was able to kind of go along with the talking point through some type of probably a non-disclosure mechanism. The same thing with tennis star Djokovic. Djokovic, remember, yeah. originally he was at the Australian Open. Remember this, Tommy? And then he says, uh, you know, listen, I don't want to, you know, my personal health information is my personal health information. And he basically gets booted out of Australia he comes back to Europe and he says, okay, here's an interview. He said, listen, I didn't think they're safe. And this one guy takes him on the interview all the way to saying, are you willing to give up the claim of being the greatest tennis player in history because of this vaccine? He said, yeah, I am. I mean, it's yeah. pretty yeah. If, you, if you have half a brain, not, none of these things matter. None of these statures or statistics or legacies or win record, nothing matters if you're face down in a field because you're dead from a heart attack. And that's the people right. with half a brain understand. Or what about what about Deion Sanders? He's not going to ever run right yeah. again. He's a wonderful athlete. This guy was on these athletic yeah, baseball, competitions football. on TV. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, uh, I can tell you, you know, once your toes are amputated, the ergonomics of the feet are changed. You can't run the same. And uh, in one of the reports, it's on my Twitter feed. One of the surgeons said they were thinking about amputating at the hip. Can you imagine they, they, that, Tommy? Yeah, they had. I know he was in the hospital quite some time. Um, you know, a, a couple of points here. Number one, Georgia would have whipped Michigan no matter oh. what. Yeah, hey, so, I graduated uh, from UGA, so I'm with you, Mister Gillespie. Right. Well, I was there. I was there for you know, and, and um, <laughs> I'm outnumbered. Yeah. Oh, so, but the other the other thing um, is that you know. <laughs> I don't want to state, state this, 
Um, the NFL has dropped all protocols. Okay. It's what I understand. I, I think I'm correct on that. I'm not right there. I think you told me that the other day, Dr. McCall. I believe, I believe that's right. Um, Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball have different things because of the collective bargaining agreements that they go through. And so, you know, and they've gotten attorneys and they've got, uh, you know, physicians and they, you know, all those guys, when you get to that level, you know, even though you've got the, a guy like me, who's a head athletic trainer, director of sports medicine on staff, most of those guys have their own people they work with in the off season as well. Uh, and so they, they, they try to finally tune what's going on. Um, and it surprised me that a lot of those guys are smart. And I know some of them, a good many of the guys that were are smart guys that just didn't bat an eye and rolled up their sleeve. And I actually was not a big Aaron Rodgers fan, but I am now, you know, because he took a stand. Um, and Cole Beasley and, um, you know, some of those other guys out there. But, but it's the management uh, of the team, the ownership of the teams. Um, it's about the, the players' associations. Well, in college athletics, we don't have that. We don't have that. You know, they, they've got name, image, and likeness now, and that's going to lead to something down the road. I'm certain they're going to have to do something with that. Because it's un, it's and with a with the um, transfer uh, portal plus <laughs> the name, image, and likeness, can you imagine they're going to eventually have agents themselves? Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, and then your high school kids, and then your little league kids. We talked to a guy at my table the other night. There was a coach in little league, and they threw him out of the ballpark because he wasn't vaccinated. This is a coach in Little League. Yeah, you know what? So, Just a couple of points, Chris. I showed on the tour, I showed the data published in JAMA uh, from the NCAA Athlete Screening Program, where they actually, uh, through part of the pandemic, Tommy, they did screening, like PCR testing, like uh, once a week. And the rate through an entire season of getting a positive test cumulatively was 0.44% in athletes, way less than 1%. The general student population, it was 0.88%. So the point is the athletes are a little cleaner than the general population. And and it's such a low rate that the vast majority were false positive. So I agree with just giving up all the protocols altogether. Uh, The vaccines uh, clearly should be dropped. The mandates should be dropped. People still ask me, what should I do? I got a a message today. Uh, My daughter's in nursing school and she's going to have to take the vaccine. I said she may have to transfer. Uh, You know, people have said, oh, I'm going to lose my job. And and when I think about it, it could be like a pharmaceutical uh, representative. So you used to change jobs every two years. What's the problem with changing jobs? I think if people just change jobs and change schools, market forces would be responsive. Uh, It's amazing how quickly companies drop these mandates, you know, FedEx, uh, Starbucks, United Airlines, gone. Uh, You know, interestingly, um, my my wife, Tommy, is uh, also a citizen of Israel. So she called her family, uh, uh, actually today in Israel, asked what's the status. And they're, you know, they're citizens of Israel. They know what's going on. They've dropped everything. Yeah. 
everything, no masks, no mandates, no more vaccines, they're done. Yeah. And that's what I'm understanding about uh, the NFL. Um, I, th- I don't know what's going to happen with the NBA um, because it's so odd the way they have done things this year. Dr. McCullough, you talked about absurdity, you know, Kyrie um, up in Irving, yeah. Brooklyn, he could go to the game, but he couldn't play. And, you know, yeah, it was yeah. so ridiculous. that. And so we just have to treat absurdity with absurdity sometimes. Yeah. And uh, that was all one of my golden rules in, in my management style or administrative style is you look for the obvious and worry about the unobvious and you treat absurdity with absurdity. Yeah. Um, and the unknown things are the ones that bother me the most. The thing that hit me today, and I have not mentioned this to Dr. McCullough at all, but I'm sitting there looking at all these numbers and everything, and the number of soccer players in Europe, and uh, and I think they started a little bit earlier than we did as far as vaccinations, and I'm concerned that next fall, somebody said, well, football players, you know, they've been fine this past year. Well, my concern is that or is that bunch, you know, that's in Europe that has been having problems this year, is that where these guys are going to be this time next year? Are we, are we one cycle behind them? And it, that hit me like a ton of bricks because I don't know if that's correct or not, but I had started thinking about it, you know. Um, the other thing, I used to get all the data one of the things, uh, if, if, so if a kid died in, in college football or in any sport, we were going to know about it. I don't get that data anymore. And um, I've not heard of a lot of football players that have had significant problems. Um, but again, I don't know how many injections they've had. You know, I know that a lot of them have had the, the tube. I don't know how many have had the booster. I don't, I don't know where we are. And I think it's a, the spectrum is wide open across the country. Um, there's no telling. You know, Division three, Division two, NAIA. Um, you know, then you've got weekend warriors, marathon runners. If you took all collectively, we made all the endurance athletes in the country uh, want, that'd be a state, you know, because there's so many of them. There's multiple marathons, multiple 5Ks, 10Ks every weekend. And, and a lot of those uh, types of folks are, I turned two speaking engagements down because they were mandating the vaccine or you had to be tested 48 hours prior to showing up, which I said, wait a minute, that's ludicrous. That makes zero sense. I, I'm not going to get tested. I'm asymptomatic, and and no, we're not going to do that. And until people start just saying no, we're not going to do it. You know, I think that's going to be the problem. And too many times, athletes have been. Think about it. How did you play sports? And, uh, I, I played. I played basketball growing up. Okay, but but you know, when you ran gassers in football, or you ran sprints in in uh, basketball. You were taught, put your foot on the line. Don't step over the line. Mm-hmm. You're taught, don't be late for an event. You you were taught, be if you're early, five minutes early, you're late. Yeah. The bus is leaving at five o'clock, and you're there at 4.55, and the bus is gone. 
you know, they're just used to doing what they're told to do. Sure. And it's according to who is the person that is making the statement to them of what to do. Because if there's a coach that is hard-nosed and doesn't want to miss anything and says, you have to get the vaccine, guess what? Most of those kids will just step in line and roll up their sleeve. Because most 18 to 21-year-olds believe they're immortal. (laughs) And, um, you know, I've seen it time and time again that kids will do what they're told because when they get to that level, especially at college, you don't last if you don't do what you were told. Yeah. You're dismissed. And then the percentage goes down in the NFL the same way. You don't last if you don't do what you're supposed to. And so that's another fear I have is they are just going to roll up their sleeve because they've been taught for so long to be compliant with whatever they're supposed to do, that it's just another one of the things on the list as opposed to it being something as significant as we're talking about. It's just a check mark to them that I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And and so I'm worried about that. It's uh, it, well, it's also an abuse of the reason why they do what they're supposed to do. Your parents tell you, you're growing up, your parents tell you to do X, Y, and Z. You keep doing it because they're your parents and they've, they've guided you this far already. And that's, I think, just kind of on a, as someone that got into medical school and wanted to be a doctor, that's to me, it's one of the, one of the more insidious things of this is it's like burning through a savings account that like your grandpa started, gave it to your dad, gave it to you, and then you blow through it all. There's something there's something especially bad about that because you burned what wasn't entirely yours. And so when the reason why we trust individuals with white coats is because it's through the cream of the crop. They went through it all. They're the doctors first do no harm, Hippocratic oath. They can save your life. These guys are the cream of the crop, the abuse of the white coat of it's one thing if on Tommy's podcast, he's saying, don't get the vaccine or Joe Rogan saying, don't get the vaccine. But a doctor in a white coat with the, the frame degrees behind them, like uh, not Mr. Dr. McCullough, if they tell you to get the vaccine, well, for good reason, you would believe them because the white coat that represents that represents millions of individuals who have acted in the way that a, a care provider should act. And you are now taking advantage of that and you are now abusing that. And to me, that's just so all these all these kids that will roll up the sleeve. Well, it's because up to this point, when has the coach led you wrong, right? Sports right. is still sports and still a, a, a ton of, of, of wonderful characteristics in you pushing it to the last second teamwork, uh, be, you know, lo- losing with honor, showing up early, examining what it's like to give it all and still not win and go, well, I'm going to pull myself back up again, knowing that the hours and hours that people don't see pays off when you do, do get to go perform on the court and, and you act spectacularly. There's a ton of wonderful character. I mean, truly, the, the best students I knew were also athletes. It just right. it, it fine hones everything. And so it's an abuse of that. Why wouldn't you do what the coach tells you? Not just to get better. Well, everything else is doing better. I'm doing better in school. I'm in great shape. I can do this, that, and the other thing. The team is on fire. We're working like a well-oiled machine. Everything they've told you to do so far has been for your your own good, and it's worked out great. Why wouldn't you keep doing it? And so it's it's especially evil. It's preying upon these respected institutions, a coach, a professor, a parent, a physician, 
a nurse. It's the CDC, the FDA. You see these and you go, well, these are the national institutions, the, the big columns. It's the guys. And yet this is the United States of America, the federal office. It has an, an aura around it that has been built up for good reason and is now being completely abused. Sorry. One of the things, Tommy, that, that you know, you, you make great points there, right? is that we live in a society you know that our athletes are looked up to as role models and and you know and and but but those behind the face mask of a college football player they're still a kid yeah they're still 18 and 21 years old i mean some of them don't even shave you know and and we treat them like they're professional athletes because it's multi-bazillion dollar you know industry and you know and i'll say something about coaches because i've got coaches that are dear friends of mine and i mean really close um they respected me because i stood up for the kid you know i was not i was never pushed around by a coach ever because i didn't put up with it I had a strong leadership uh, or above me, the administrators, you know, I had the ultimate authority to make the medical decisions in the absence of a team physician. And with the team physician there, we collaborated on what we thought we needed to do. And that's the way it's supposed to be done. But the team docs, the coaches I know, a lot of them, and Dr. McCullough said something about this the other day at the, at, uh, when he was speaking, a lot of them just made the choice they thought was right. They thought it was the right thing to do because no one had, had told them or shown them that it's the wrong thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, so I still think we have to have, and I think it's the great thing about Dr. McCullough is he still has sympathy, empathy, and compassion for those who made the wrong decision. That was a bad medical decision. It, it wasn't that they, that they were being, you know, um, it's not that you're a you bad know, rogue or something like that, you know, but they, they just made a bad choice. And we've got to remember to wrap our arms around those people and do our best to help them too. And it's not now it's not just about don't get it. It's now what do we do about the kids who got it? Um, is there something that we can do? Um, and, there's that fine line of sympathy, empathy, and compassion. I always said that I had those three things, but I had one more thing, and that was sternness when the need arose. Yeah. And you can still be stern. You can still be forceful and have sympathy, empathy, and compassion. And if we can ever get through, it's only going to take one high-profile person to go down, and, and they actually I, say it was from the vaccine. That, that's what's going to make the difference. Or one coach, if we can get one guy that matters, I'm talking about somebody high profile, to to speak at a conference like we did, to come up and say, you know, I was wrong, and I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life that I was wrong, and I hope nobody suffers from it. But from this day forward, we're going to be right, you know. And the other thing Dr. McCullough said the other day is, and this made great sense to me. He said, if, if we're wrong on our end, oh, we've been ridiculed and, 
you know, uh, Google, if we Google Dr. McCullough, I guarantee you that they're going to say all kinds of stuff. You know, it's going to pop to the top of the line, right? Google's going to you know, feed a lot of bad information out there that's not true. Uh, but the big thing is, is that what we have to do is now is, is we have to feed the appropriate information and hope that we're not too late. And, um, and at least if somebody goes down this high profile, it's going to, it's going to, it may be what it takes. I don't want it to be that, but it may be what it takes and, or get that one person that we can find out there. And that's one of my goals is to try to find someone that's willing to speak out. I would have been willing at, and, and I'm retired. It's easy for me to say now. But I would have lost my job over this. Yeah, I, w- I would have absolutely said, no, I'm not doing it because I had been offered. So I could have gotten jobs anywhere I wanted to get one. And, um, you know, but a lot of kids that are starting in my profession, they don't have that luxury and they don't know what to do. They're not sure what to do. So, you know, to have sympathy and empathy, compassion, and forum and and then what Dr. McCullough says, if we're wrong, we just made a poor medical choice for us. We made one for us, but it didn't hurt us because it was ninety nine point whatever percent, you know, that survival rate. They were going to survive, you know. We just made the choice for us. But if you're wrong, and you took it, you decreased that ninety nine percent to who knows what. And, um, you know, I made this statement to a, a young physician friend of mine. Um, and he's no longer young. He's, he grew up, but I helped train this young uh, man as a, he was a fellow. He's a sports medicine doc, family practice internist. Um, and he came to our athletic training facility, a sports medicine facility. And he was our liaison uh, from the clinic we worked with with our team docs. And that's where they got their training on the field, where they really learned to craft is sports medicine, where sports medicine is, is not paper on the table. You know, when you walk in an exam room, it might be in the middle of a field on an airplane, on a bus, you know, you might have to get down on your hands and knees to examine somebody. But um, he, I called him when I was trying, I didn't know much about the, um, the, the vaccines back, back in those, you know, early 2020, you know, when, whenever it came out to early 2021, um, 21, I guess um, I went to him or called him and then I said, Hey, what do you think? He said, Oh, you just need to go get the jab, man. He said, that spike protein just going to stay in a deltoid. And I said, well, how does it know? How does it know to stay in a deltoid? Please answer me that because I think it's going to land somewhere where we don't want it to land. It's going to go to the heart, the lungs, the liver, the pancreas, the reproductive organs, the kidneys. Where is it going to go? And then what's it going to do when it gets there? Yeah. Well, there was a long pause over the phone. He was kind of speechless. He didn't know what to say. And uh, he still believes that you should get the vaccine. He's, to this day, he still believes that. Now, we have an agreement that 
I just we we just don't talk very much about it because I'm not going to change his mind. He's not going to change mine, and yeah, we, we they're still friends. Yeah, but but I told him I said here's the deal: <laughs> before it's over with, you're going to come to me one day, and you're and you're going to remember this statement. This thing is going to have zero efficacy to negative efficacy before it's over with. Mm -hmm. That was in 2000 or, you know, right after, you know, I learned a little bit more about it. I said, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And I said, so if I'm wrong, you can tell me so. But when I'm right, I expect the phone call. Well, I haven't got that phone call yet. And uh, he, uh, so and I probably won't get it, but um, is uh, they talked about mass psychosis and basically people that can be convinced, and then there's some that just aren't going to be convinced. You're not going to convince me, yeah. You know, the, in that direction. Well, there's going to be folks out there that we can't convince, yeah. And uh, and unfortunately, they're making decisions about young lives, and I'm not real sure what we do about that yet. But we're not going to stop trying just because of it. And uh, hopefully, um, you know, things like this and Dr. McCullough says, we'll, we're going to uh, get you to as many people as we can. And, and we're going to talk to as many people as we can to try to find out where we really are. Because I don't think we really know. I, don't, I really don't think we know. And I don't think they know. Yeah. I don't think that. Uh, a college athletic program honestly can tell you that they think it made a difference for the better. Yeah, uh, they, they 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 may say it did, but not when the only uh, people that are getting COVID are ones who have been vaccinated and boosted, and their other kids are healthy. What are they going to say? So that's the, the big dilemma. We, and I think that's the way it is with businesses and all types of things. But I think athletics is one thing that no one, and I would say no one, I don't, I don't really mean that, but it was one aspect of society that not many people really ever thought about at the level that we're talking about. I mean, we're not talking about just a few people, lost just a few people here. Every college football team, every college baseball team, basketball team, NFL, you name it. Everybody that does anything athletically needs to be educated. And I don't think they are being. I think they're being pushed in in a different direction. Unfortunately, it's probably going to be it's either going to be a high profile athlete. It's going to be a, a Michael Jordan or, or not, excuse me, Michael Jordan, LeBron James or a Tom Brady or what it's going to be is it's going to be when it when it starts interacting with the money there's going to be a cuz everyone forgets that these these sports teams are are massive corporations and what's going to happen is when there's going to be some sharp billionaire that owns the falcons and they get to the super bowl and they can't play x y and z players and they're not going to listen to what what the bs report is they're going to go i want to know why we couldn't win this game and i couldn't make on my investment and they're going to go through and they're going to have some sports medicine physician saying well it's because these players were vaccinated and they were at risk of heart attack that's what it's going to be is that it's unfortunately the rubber's going to hit the road with money and that's that's kind of that's kind of how it always is, but that's where the overcorrections occur is when it comes and it is either high profile and, or it's going to start interfering with somebody's money. And until right. that, uh, let, let me enlist. And it's not, you know, 
You have every, you have, uh, I know we got to wrap this one up, but I mean, you have Wild Bill Donovan, the first head of the OSS, the, which was the precursor to the CIA. He was telling FDR, like, war is coming, war is coming, war is coming. We cannot be isolationist. Eh, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. Pearl Harbor. Unfortunately, that's that's just kind of how it goes. And that's that's what humans do. We should all be doing what is right. The reality is, is we often wait until, until there's a cataclysmic event and the 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 consequences of our actions or, or of our interact inactions become prevalent and that's just that's just kind of what it is unfortunately it just it comes to a head that's if it bleeds it leads that's that's how it happens um dr mccullough any closing thoughts you know, we need to wrap it up, Tommy and Chris, but I've learned a lot. And I tell you, it's a terrific interview. Chris, we're so glad we have you. Let's hope it doesn't come to uh, a sports. You know, we could have Herb Kurt Street or Deion Sanders come out right now and, uh, you know, express their concerns. Uh, we could have uh, people become far more vocal. Fabian Trump, the marathoner with uh, myocarditis. Uh, we can have people come clean. Uh, Ollie Vines, who's a famous uh, footballer in Australia with atrial fibrillation. You, you, you know, I'm a doctor. I'm a cardiologist. It's not hard for me to see these things happening. Uh, to me, it makes a sense that uh, they've taken the genetic code for the Wuhan spike protein. The spike protein's a killer. I think people took it without much uh, critical thinking. Uh, fortunately, a few people did see it clearly. We mentioned Aaron Rodgers, Djokovic, Kyrie Irving, Jonathan Isaac. Uh, and others. Um, the same thing is true in medicine. About 10% of doctors now say the vaccines aren't safe and they don't work. And that percentage will grow. Uh, let's hope that the sports teams pick up quickly. And Chris, with your influence out there, I think the most important tool we have is going to be the powerful conversation. I'll let that be the last word. Thank you, Mr. Gillespie. Well, I, I, one, I want to thank you for the opportunity. And, and, and I would be remiss if I didn't say to Dr. McCullough, I thank you for your trust and your faith and, and just listening to what I had to say. Because sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're retired and you're sitting out here and you think you, you think you know something or you think you might have an idea about something, um, you don't get a phone call back or you don't get a message back or maybe you don't hear any, you, you know, some, somebody like me, but I just won't give up. So, so um, you keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. And if there's somebody out there that's listening, you know, that believes like we do, don't, don't just give in and give up because there's always hope. Yeah. There's always hope. And if we can create a sense of hope out there and try to paint the picture of we can get through this without doing something to adversely affect our kids. I think that's the biggest concern that I have. And if we can do that, we've done our job. We can't, we can't make the decision for them. All we can do is give them the information that we know. And if they want to, they want to believe us that that's up to them. But when it affects somebody else's kids, that's, and we heard it this past week over and over again, you know, what do we do? And so uh, we're here, and I just appreciate um, the fact that uh, they accepted us uh, as a part of their team. Uh, we were walking to the car, and he says, Chris has joined the team. So uh, I spent a lot of time since somebody said I was going to be a part of a team like this and to be a, uh, recognized that we were right. I think we were right. Um, 
at least seeing what we saw was as, as an opening to get into uh, what we thought. I just appreciate folks like Dr. McCullough and Ryan Cole and the folks that I met this past week, but especially Dr. McCullough for saying, we're going to get you in front of some people that you can hopefully make a difference. Uh, I will forever be grateful for that. Absolutely. Well, you both are on the Tommy's podcast team, which means that we are all misinformation agents. So gentlemen, (laughs) I will send this episode to you guys when it's up. It should be up in like an hour or something. Love to do it again sometime. Uh, Mr. Gillespie, my platform is yours to, if you ever want to talk again, Dr. McCullough, you know, my platform is yours to everybody else out there. Don't lose hope. Do the right thing. Use your own brain. Use your own critical thinking. It's your body. Take care of yourself. Thank you so much, both of you gentlemen. God bless. God bless America. Thank you so much.